And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. National College Football Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Nicole Auerbeck. I am thrilled to be joined by my friend and colleague, Michael Felder of Stadium, to break down the biggest storylines in college football in an hour or less. And just as a reminder, if you enjoy this podcast, well, tweet us, tell us, engage with us. Felder always responds to everybody, which is a choice. (laughs) It is a choice. Um, But you can do that. Engage with us. Engage with our takes. But also subscribe, rate, and review the Andy Staples and Friends show. And Felder, it's been a couple of weeks. We are easing into off-season life. I see you have been chefing it up. You have been making pizzas. You have been making baking bread. Give me the best dish you've made in the last couple of weeks. Oh, um, probably my wife's birthday dinner. We did um, king crab legs. Mm. with, um, And then we did a lobster and crab mac and cheese with some sautéed spinach. And she absolutely loved it. So I'm going to go with that because it made her, listen, makes her happy, makes me happy. Well, I've also noticed that both of you are like shoe people, like sneaker people. I've, I've turned her into a sneaker person. Yes. Okay. Because because I, I, I feel like I saw the meal and then I saw sneakers given yes. as a birthday present. She and- got, um. so, well, she got two pair of shoes for her birthday. One was she got some Sorel boots, uh, like a booty. Practical. Like a, booty wedge that with a zipper on the side instead of the lace up loves them and then i got her some hyper royal jordans so yes okay so from no jordans to two jordans in two months okay here here is my um very like novice question about sneakers and (laughs) this can be a whole separate conversation but i'm gonna start to learn through you um when you get these sneakers and there's these you know these drops and all, you know, everyone's rushing to get like the new pair, all these things. When you get them, do you actually wear them or are you worried you're going to get them dirty? Like, are they too nice to wear in real life? So she is like, she'll wear them once, you know, there's not, you're back in Chicago, right? Yes. There's I, 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 I know there's snow pounds, everywhere right now. There's snow everywhere. So no, she will not wear yes. them now, but She'll wear them like, when and, we, you, and yourself as well. Like when you buy these pairs, like, do you oh, wear them? No, 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 no. These are collecting. These are collectible items. Okay. So I this is like asking somebody that got a r- very rare comic book. Do you take it out and just like read it on the couch? Absolutely not. You never do. But, it, but it's like they have a purpose. That's my, that's why I'm oh, struggling I've listened, with this. Like you, right, you, you can't wear them. <laughs> I, I got the Adapt 11s. And the Adapt 11s are the shoes that you can control through Bluetooth that automatically adjust their fit 
with every step that you take. Actually, Luka Doncic plays in the adapts, like not so, the so eleven. He's, so, so he's wearing them, by the way. He is and wearing like on yeah, and not just but, staring at them. But Nike gives him free shoes. They don't give me free shoes. Okay. But the adapt elevens are like they're. It's amazing. Like I, I've worn them one time. I put them on when they got here. Every after you set your fit, every step that you take, they adjust and change to protect your your ankles, your toes. Your okay, here, here's an idea. Here's an idea. Get two pairs, one to look at, one to wear. I can't spend a thousand dollars on two pairs of shoes. Well, I don't know why you're spending all this money on shoes that you're not wearing. Like, at least if I buy an expensive pair of like women's shoes, not sneakers. I will wear them. Like I might not wear them all the time. I might only wear them if I have an event where I can like take well, an Uber. I will. I. That's the thing. I will. I, I will wear. You know what? I'll revise my answer because I know we got to get into Tennessee. My answer. I wear these in studio. I wear them okay. on set, but they they go from our dressing room to set, and then they go back in the box. Okay, I, I respect that because. Okay. And, and here, here's here's a segue to Tennessee, which is the major story in college football. The question really is, is it worth it? Like, is it worth <laughs> spending money on these shoes to wear for five steps from this from your, you know, your office to the to the set or whatever in studio or to have and just look at them sometimes now it's, for me, it's worth it. <laughs> Okay, it, it is. I like there are certain things that are worth it to me, um, but usually I can use them a little bit more than looking at a pair of sneakers. But that's where I want to start with Tennessee. After everything that has unfolded over the last month and a half, Tennessee self investigated essentially to get rid of Jeremy Pruitt without having to, to pay him to fire him for cause. So they went through this entire process. They paid a lot of money to investigators. They are going to face NCAA sanctions. And they're probably still going to have a lot of mess come out when Jeremy Suet fights, fights this. Jeremy Suet, that was good. <laughs> Actually, that just slipped out, but that is not a bad idea. We should call it that as he sues them. Yeah. Um, so it's not it's not going to be over. It's still going to cost more money. And you now have a new athletic director you have to pay in yep. Danny White. And you have a new football coach in Josh Heupel and a new staff that you have to pay. And maybe when you went through all of the chaos and tried to fire Pruitt for cause, maybe you're, you're thinking, you know, you're going to get your top choice or, you know, just some sort of home run slam dunk hire. Yeah. I'm not saying that that hypo won't work out, but there's a decided lack of enthusiasm. So my question to you, Felder, is, is it worth what Tennessee just went through for two months to end up with Josh Heupel? I This is a complex question with a really hard answer because the reality of it all is I think Tennessee fans think it was worth it but we're not Tennessee fans. So we look at it with a different lens for me. It's to me, the worth it comes on the back end on if they get some success and good things happen, then yeah, it's worth it. But what we've seen, what we've known of Tennessee since 2007. So what are we talking about? 14 years? Like literally there are kids in middle school that don't know that Tennessee has ever been good. And or, or freshmen in high school that don't know that Tennessee's ever been good. And it's 
I don't know. I think worth it. That's a really, this is a, that's a, it's a good question. And I really like the idea that like, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's worth it because at the end of the day, for me, it's about buy-in, right? And you, 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 you as, as someone who went to Michigan, you experienced this hands uh, firsthand with Rich Rodriguez, right? Yep. Rich Rod's not an idiot. He's not a bad coach, but when people don't want him there, when you're half in and half out, you're all out. And I think that's going to be the interesting part for me between Danny White and Josh Heupel are Tennessee. Like, honestly, the worth for me comes in terms of, are they bought in? Are you in or are you out? Are you for real in with this change of philosophy? Talk to uh, Holly Ann about it. And Holly went to Tennessee and she's like, Tennessee fans want to win games 24 to seven and play good defense and run the football. And are you, is Tennessee, is Tennessee going to change who they've always been in terms of a fan base, in terms of a, 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 a philosophy in terms like, this is a team that like they, they, they love, they, they pray at the altar of, um, uh, what's big man's name? John, John Hainsworth, Albert Hainsworth. They, that's what they do. Like they are a team that likes big dudes on the defensive line and huge running backs. And that's what we do. So but th- that's part, that part's fine. But, but as we've seen Alabama, we've seen LSU, you don't win games 24 seven in the sec anymore. You have to adapt. You have to be able to score. I mean, that was always, you know, the narrative for, for Jeremy Pruitt and really, it really everybody that's not Alabama is about closing that gap with yeah. Alabama. And you can see it, you know, we, we, we argue about, you know, the, the gap in, you know, the, the, the margin of games and, you know, moments and different things in these games, but that's where it comes down. And now you have to figure out a way to win a different way. Yeah. It's, it's, you have to find a way to win differently. You're also not going to out Alabama, Alabama. Now the big problem is that Alabama can outdo Alabama essentially has taken everything that every school in the country can do and they can do it better than them, which is scary because it used to just be like, we're tough and we're big and we're strong and we run the football, but now they're doing other things. But for me, I think about it more. So we've talked about this with Florida, right? Where Florida fans and you and Florida and USC, they want to be sexy. Like they want to win. They Florida fans aren't that upset with this season, even though their defense was trash. They're like, it's fine. We scored, we scored 45 points a game. This is cool. USC fans did not, they they want to score more points. It's Hollywood, it's LA, baby. We got to look cool. And so Tennessee is kind of the polar opposite of that. Of we are workmen. We it's Tennessee, Virginia Tech. It's we bring our lunch pail. We we this is what we do. We go to work. Yeah. The problem is, is that the game, as you mentioned, is changing. And I guess the big question becomes how much leeway do you give it? That's why I brought up the Rich Rod experiment at Michigan, because if you don't have buy-in, you don't have fan buy-in. I wonder, I do truly wonder about the admin buy-in, because at the first sign of trouble, do you start to panic and go away? Which is it's good for Hypel that he has his own athletic director. That's great. But I wonder what that panic looks like if, and, and I think about it, um, another way I would equate it is uh, Larry Fedora at UNC. He had his own athletic director, Bubba Cunningham. 
So he got a little bit more rope than he probably would have got if it was Dick Bedore. And, but that's a huge part of all of this because when you look at it, there's going to be games where Tennessee, where Tennessee has 45 second drives and they give up 45 points because they're trying to go so fast and trying to go, trying to make things work and it's just not working. And you have to be okay with that to get to where you want to go. So it's going to be interesting. And I'd love to get your thoughts on it. Like realistically, like how do you think this is going to go at least, you know, from starting from this like 30,000 foot view, how do you think this is going to go? Well, let's, let's stay on the Michigan comparison um, because I I was a student there as that was happening. I was covering Rich Rod for the student newspaper and for uh, the Detroit crew press. And I also talked to Rich about it afterwards when he was at Arizona. And what was always very apparent to me, especially after the introductory press conference, which normally you tell nothing from, like you normally, there's literally zero, zero things of substance from that. Um, everyone says cliches. Yeah. But. Oh, by the way, Rich, speaking of press co- intro press conferences, the Detroit, the new Detroit Lions coach. Yes, that one was not, that was not the uh, zero things happening. That was not cliches. That was eating thing like limbs off of people. And it was interesting. It fired up the fan base, you know, Godspeed to Lions fans. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite free. Hey Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get direct TV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream direct TV over the internet now. Oh sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream direct TV without a satellite dish. Call one eight hundred Direct TV. Terms or restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. So Jim Harbaugh's introductory press conference was the beginning of this. He doesn't get what it means to be a Michigan man. It was, he doesn't understand the Ohio state rivalry. He doesn't understand these different things. And I think in every, every coach and every job in the country has potential landmines that you are navigating. Okay. And you need to have people in the administration or former, you know, coaches, people with ties to the place, on your staff, people to help you, you know, yeah. even if it's, it's certain boosters, whatever it might be. And I don't think Rich had that. Rich Rod was kind of thrown into Out- the fire on his own. Right, and so outsider coming in. The outsider coming in and wasn't getting help. So you basically, from day one, had various factions. You had the faction, which is, is similar to Tennessee, right? The faction that said, let's give him a chance. You had a faction mm-hmm. that was just out on it entirely based on preconceived notions. And then you had... Um, the, the faction that was, you know, just like either had, um, you know, just, it was, it was this buy-in to like the type of offense or whatever it was. It wasn't necessarily about him. So you had these competing interests and you had people that were just out and were never going to their mind. And this is part of the reason that leashes get cut short 
with all of these coaches. They're so it doesn't short work. Now. And then all of a sudden they say, I told you so. Yes. So that's when we talk about buy-in from like an administration. That means the boosters. That's the people with the pockets, the people who are making, you know, the buyouts happen at places like South Carolina. And, you know, again, Tennessee should have just done this if they really didn't want Pruitt to be their coach. This is going to be so much messier and set the program back because of the NCAA sanctions that are going to come. And it's just, but it's, it's interesting because even when you win a game that, you know, kind of galvanizes again, part of that fan base, you still have the doubters who are never going to come on board unless right. you, I don't know, win a big 10 championship, sec championship, whatever it is. So it's a really hard situation to navigate. And then when you're changing the system, because you are trying to modernize, that's why rich, rich was hired at Michigan, not because of app state, but because of Oregon. So those were my first two games as a freshman. And that's what convinced (laughs) them to go to the spread. And so that took a lot of time to adjust the roster to what it needed to be. And then it took time to adjust it back out, as we saw during the Brady Hoke era. So there's a lot going on. And and I think that that is where you it's it's a word that people toss around but don't actually mean anymore in college sports. But you have to be patient, like especially with the NCAA stuff. This has to be longer than a snap your fingers, rebuild in year two situation, because it's it's just not possible right now. I, I think, you know, you're absolutely right that the guy who hired him at UCF hired him at Tennessee. There's something there that is really, really helpful. I think that Danny White being, you know, an administrative, having an administrative background is a much better athletic director for this time and this period for Tennessee than the old coach. That is also an evolution of college sports. Um, But it's a challenge because the roster turnover is going to be the number one thing right now. And I want to read you this stat from my colleague, David Ubbins article Mm -hmm. on the athletic. Since Tennessee fired Jeremy Pruitt, a host of players have left. Dating back to the preseason, Tennessee has lost a total of 30 players who could or should still be on the 2021 roster. That includes the departures of 23 scholarship players, highlighted by the team's two leading rushers, leader in sacks, and leading tackler who's still in the transfer portal. Yeah, it's um, I, I literally just pulled up 24-7 the transfer portal, and I mean, we haven't even discussed hypo yet but before you get into that this is a guy that's going to be completely handcuffed from a roster standpoint right like he's he's he doesn't have doesn't have a quarterback except Hendon Hooker is coming in so that's a good thing for him Hooker's coming in but Garantano's going out Kasim Hill's going out um JT Shroud is going out you got you lose Chandler you lose Gray And I'll tell you what, Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley, baby, clean it up because he is scooping guys up. Eric Gray, he scoops up. Wanye Morris, who, by the way, I don't know if you know this, but uh, you're you're younger than I am. But Wanye Morris, whenever I hear that name, I think about Boyce Demet because Wanye is in Boyce Demet. Well, he's going to Oklahoma now. And then another guy, Key Lawrence, is going to Oklahoma as well. So it's – um. It's a tough spot to be in. It's 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 it's, it's a tough start when you walk out and, and we still have um, a guy that I really love, Corvarius Crouch. He's in the transfer portal. I think he's awesome. I think he can be really good if you get him pointed in the right direction. They still have good pieces there. Like they like the cool thing is like maybe you can recruit back 
Henry Toto and you can recruit back Corvarius so, Crouch. Like, so it's that's what I'm weird. wondering. Like, yeah, can, like what would that process? What does that look like? Um, I think the only sort of equation's not the right word. The only sort of parallel um, is sort of when CJ Spiller was thinking about going pro, mm-hmm. and Dabo was like. Dabo, he basically got on his knees and was like, begging, like, pray, like, come on, man, please come back. We need you. We can't have a program without you. And I think that this Hypo's going to, the difference is Dabo had a relationship with CJ, right? Like, he recruited him and he worked with him and he knows this is a guy you don't know trying to ask you to come back so that he can do a good job. And so it's a very precarious situation. And I think that. Even for established coaches, whether you're Nick Saban or Dabo Swinney or you're Harbaugh or you're or David Shaw, like whoever you are as an established coach, it's tough when guys enter the portal. For a new coach, it's even more difficult because you're asking them to bet on faith. And I can tell you something, man. Faith don't get you to the NFL. <laughs> and faith don't get you playing time. And faith doesn't get you, doesn't get results. What you have to have is a track record and in, in, in hard work. And I, I think that it's going to be interesting. And this goes back to the buy-in part, right? Because we talked about buy-in with respect to, to fans or to administration, to boosters. But how do you make those players buy in in a snap? How do you make players buy? How do you get players to buy into you immediately? And that's what it takes to recruit these guys back because they all got question marks. But a bunch of these guys have question marks by where they're going to end up. They can still go back to Tennessee, and we're in a wild year where eligibility doesn't matter. And I really do think that. I mean, he's going to have to. He's got to be like the two. Here's what I'll say, Nicole. I think he has to be honest. He has to be vulnerable. Speaking to Hypel, he has to be honest. He has to be vulnerable. He has to be real with these kids because they've been jerked around already. They've already been jerked around and because you don't get to January with your head coach and then they just pull the rug out from underneath them. They've already been jerked around. They don't like, there's no doubt in my mind that these kids don't trust Tennessee. Yep. And so for Hypo, it's not about them trusting Tennessee. It's about them trusting him. And you got to figure out a way to make these kids trust you and you got to do it really quick. So, so what might help, and, and you, you alluded to this, you know, we've seen Power 5 players transfer out and they get stuck in the portal since yeah. the portals existed because there's an initial counter, right? So, so each program can only take 25 new scholarship players per, per year. Right. So that includes transfers. Now, coaches, there have been coaches clamoring to, to adjust this, or at least to a sliding scale, you know, 20 to 30, average it out, whatever it is, because there's certain right. years, you know, if you, have, if you have two top receivers go to NFL or transfer out and you need a receiver and you can't add them, like, you know, you're, you're screwed. The issue this year is you're absolutely right. You said extra eligibility. So everyone has an extra year of eligibility, plus – we're still waiting on it, but it's still expected to happen. The transfer rule change. Everyone's everyone who went into yep. this portal expected to expects to be eligible next yep. season. Now you're running out of spaces. And so that's where I think, you know, in addition to trying to build relationships, forge relationships for the first time for Josh Heupel, maybe it's a numbers game. 
that there just aren't that many landing spots available left at this stage in the game, which is another reason that this is really frustrating how late it all happened, because it doesn't give these players a legitimate chance to go where they want to go or or even to see what's really out there. Because if they had been if they'd known that their head coach was going to get fired, you know, in December, like normal. In December, December 5th, then you have an array of options. Then you can really see where, you know, fit and where you want to play and who has space for you. And and this just doesn't happen. I mean, Mel Tucker was hired really late. Mark D'Antonio stepped down really late. And we had similar conversations. It screwed the assistant coaches who were looking for jobs Mm -hmm. because they were, you know, all the jobs were filled. Players had little choices, but it's the same thing. Like, this is not fair for the players on that roster who you know, wouldn't, who don't want, who wanted to play for Jeremy Pruitt, right? Like all these guys, like he's a great recruiter, right? As, yeah. as we know, I mean, you know, you had Phil Fromer mm-hmm. complimenting the recruiting while announcing recruiting violations, but there, there, there was a, you know, when you, whenever there's a firing you or a departure, whatever it is, you see these players who committed to that guy. They didn't commit to Tennessee. They committed to Jeremy Pruitt and mm-hmm. they get really upset. And again, if they had known this in December, Maybe they let that cool down. Maybe they give the new coach a chance, but they have options and they don't have options. And that's, what's really frustrating about these late decisions. And this isn't even after early signing day decision. This is way later decision because we've seen coaching changes after that one. And that still yeah. feels totally wrong, but this is a month and a half after that. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's, it's, it's a long time after to see the school do and to see the school be shady about it. To try to kind of, it's, it, it's, this is literally the epitome of like slipping out the back door. <laughs> like, oops, um, I'm just up. Oh, this guy walked in the front. I'm going out the back. Don't, nobody, nobody will pay attention to me. Don't pay, don't worry about what I'm doing. It's like, and that makes it hard to trust them. And I think, I don't think a lot of folks, um, and uh, whether it's listeners or college football fans in general, I don't think they realize that trust is a big part of college football. Because if you don't trust the school, you at least have to trust your coach. And you can't, it's really tough to trust someone you don't know. And they trusted Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, they trusted him enough to play football for him, right? They trusted what he could do for them. They trusted that he was going to be up front with them. I mean, Wanya Morris came in as a freshman and got good reps, good playing time, played a ton, like played a bunch of football. And now it's like this, the guy that you, the guy that you thought was going to help you, he's gone. And so it's, it's going to be interesting. I, um, I don't know for me, I get pretty, I'm frustrated by the whole situation. And again, we go back to kind of, I guess this essential theme of the episode, which is buy-in. And if the school's not, how, I don't know, like, how was the school? How are they, they were they were bought into Jeremy Pruitt. And then until they weren't, and then they just decided to blow the whole thing up and to blow it up towards the end of January, middle of January, where they were just like, you know what? We don't like this anymore. Dig up some dirt, fire him for cause. All the players that he recruited, the good, did they think that all the good players that he recruited are just going to stick around and hang out? 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. There were so many miscalculations in this whole process, but I do think that a couple of them come into play here. One, there's the extension that you didn't need to give. He did not win an SEC title. You right. did not, he did not win a national championship. He didn't accomplish anything. And we see this all the time, sometimes when there's a competing offer, but sometimes when there isn't. And these coaches just get these extensions with a lot more guaranteed money, which makes it harder to fire them or more expensive to fire them. So that's it's all in rec- the school. It's a recruiting. It's a recruiting thing. That's a recruiting thing. But you don't have to. There are ways to extend the contract without adding to the buyout. Yeah. Chris Vanini and I talk about it all the time. Don't know why more schools do not do that. That is the way to do it. It, Extend the tail, but don't guarantee more money. Keep the same buyout. I think that the agents are just good. (laughs) Well, it's definitely a mismatch. So you you have a few things happening there. And I think to, to your point and to our overall point, I thought that most administrators understood this, especially as we're moving towards, you know, this, this one-time transfer world. But players commit to coaches. They do not commit to schools. Yes, there's going to be players who have girlfriends, um, who have majors they like, you know, friends they like. Grew up rooting for a team. They love it. They want to be close to home. And they're going to stay. They're going to stay. Those are the guys that are going to stay. But everyone else, you're committing to people. This is a relationship business. This is about people. Mm -hmm. And so you have to anticipate that guys are going to leave. If Jeremy Pruitt leaves, if your head coach leaves, if, if even if, you know, your, your, your top assistants leave, like these are the guys that recruited them. So, I, you know, I, I think there were, there were a number of miscalculations here. We'll see how it plays out. We can't necessarily grade this hire. I don't like people who grade hires when they are made. We need to know sure. a couple of years down the road because I remember a lot of people saying Jeremy Pruitt was a good hire after all the fiasco of the, you know, the search and Curry and Shiano. Yep. Um, so, so, so we'll see. But um, it, there's a lot going against. It's an uphill climb for Heupel. And, and again, when your fan base just isn't that excited because it's not a huge name, you hired UCF AD and you, you're supposed to have a national search, but then he hires the guy he just hired previously. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's not as exciting, but we'll see how the transition goes. Well, let's, but, let's talk about, let's talk about Heupel, right? Like yeah. he's worth discussing as well. Um, I know we're going to, we're going to, we'll go quick. Cause I know we got some other stuff we want to cover, but like, is Heupel good? Is he good? I think he's been fine. See, that's, I mean, that's fine's not good. Well, what do you what do you think? He, I mean, it's not he. he they, they've had quarterback 
injuries last couple yeah, of years. Like I think people sure. were talking about like regressing at UCF. I think there's reasons for that. Um, but I, I mean, I'd be curious your thoughts. I mean, I think that, you know, his personality is, is pretty bland publicly. So sure. I think that that is when, again, when you're talking about like selling a hire and exciting a fan base, I think that does play into it. Um, but you know, when his teams have been healthy at UCF, they're fun to watch. I think that him being bland is a good thing for Tennessee. Yeah. Because what they don't need is a champion of life or a shower hygiene, proper shower technique coach. I think him, him, he can do, he can say more by saying less. And I think, and, and just letting the work do the talking. I, I, the question for me is, did he build this program at UCF or did Scott Frost build it? Right. Did he like? Did he build? All, what did? What did he improve from Scott Frost? And so, is he a better? Do you think he's a better coach than Scott Frost? That that's an interesting question that I'm not prepared to debate. <laughs> but I think I think that you know again because because you're hearing all of these arguments that that he won biggest at UCF with Scott Frost players, but. Yeah. That doesn't always happen. Like we know that sure. that is not easy to do when you inherit, even and you walk into a good situation. Bingo. And then, and then again, like catastrophic quarterback injuries. Like you can't predict things yep. like that. Um, so I wouldn't discount it completely, but I also, you know, you can't say that he built the program from ground up. Scott Frost is the one who took him from zero wins to an undefeated season. Right. And I, I think that, I don't think that a lot of folks realize how hard it is to build something. Scott Frost is going through it right now. It's a, mm -hmm. it's, you have a rough go at Nebraska and yeah. obviously he gets the buy-in because he's a Nebraska legend going back to the theme of the episode, the buy-in he gets that. So people give him a little more leeway, a little more time. Because he's their favorite son. That's cool. Heupel's not Tennessee's favorite son. He wasn't even the coach that they wanted. And so how much more, how much, but this is a big job. This is a big job. Because right now, and, I, and I, I'm, I th I'm pretty sure that you and I have talked about this before. I don't know if we've done it on the show. Everybody can't be good at the same time. And if Georgia's good and Florida's good, somebody's going to have to be not as good. Yep. And those somebodies are Mizzou and Tennessee and South Carolina and Kentucky. It's hard. It's really hard. Football is not basketball. You don't, you don't just get a guy and then all of a sudden you're really good. You, you got to have other pieces. And so I, I think that – I think Hypo is a good coach. I do, I do think he's a good coach. I think he has uh, – especially from – from talking to one of my one of my um, a guy that I covered in recruiting for a long time, Brandon Wimbush, he has a good relationship with his players, and I think that's important. Relationship with your players matters, and I think that's why he may be able to get some of these guys from the transfer portal to come back, and that's a good thing. Now it's going to be the leeway. How much landing strip does he get to set down this plane at Tennessee, and how quickly? can he get the plane back off the ground so that they can take off and start winning a bunch of games and get back to Atlanta? That's going to be the important part. I am I, – I, I think that it's not just the guys, other guys that he hires, but the way that they kind of work this to recruiting their own players back to the roster, but also recruiting, recruiting the kids that signed in December – 
to make them want to stay. And then what does it look like when he's out on the road recruiting? UCF had a unique recruiting model uh, where they, they, they basically, they did go everywhere and anywhere to get players and guys that felt disrespected by power fives. They put early offers out to make sure that they kids knew that they cared about them before other schools noticed them. And they carried that weight. Like I, I love Dylan Gabriel. I remember doing a doing a thing on Dylan Gabriel when he was committed to Army, and he, UCF maintained that relationship. And obviously, they used that Mackenzie Milton end too, from a Hawaii standpoint to build that relationship. But they are it's, and then they also they've got they had that thing in the back park the, their back pocket of we do put guys in the NFL, and so I think with Tennessee. I'm, I'm curious to see how Hypel marries the staff with the fact that they have to go up. Now you're up against heavy hitters now, baby. Like that's the other part. Like you're up against some heavy hit. Listen, this isn't, you're not, be, you're not beating out Houston or ECU. You're going to have to beat out Kirby Smart. You're going to have to beat out Dan Mullen. You got to beat out Nick Saban. Well, and, and I think that that's where like, I'm a little bit TBD. You ask if he's a good coach, a great coach. We're going to see. We, we, we will see. And it's funny because so much of what we're talking about is those foundational blocks and it's not winning games right now. We're not saying he needs to win X amount of games by year three. Right. It's about setting it all up. And there's, there's a lot of ways to do it. And it's about yep. navigating that. And that's what being a head coach is now, you know, a lot of coaches, you know, say like, Oh, it's kind of like being a CEO. It's you know all these different things because the staff will make or break you. You know, how you handle your first signing class, even if it's scrambled, even if you're in the middle of everything, yeah. that can make or break you. And I, I, I do want to hit on before we before we go, Felder, um, the fact that it's February signing period. Yeah. February signing day. Um, this used to be the day. Yeah. And barely Super a whimper, Bowl. barely a whimper right now. <laughs> um, and I just sort of wonder, like, is, is it going to go away or or what, what's the point of it right now? It's honestly... I don't know what the point is because you look at like the top 100, if you go through 24 seven or whatever, it rivals, whatever. There's like five kids that are unsigned out of a hundred of the top 100. The ones that you, the, the ones that used to be appointment viewing on the first Wednesday of February, they're all signed already. It's already done. Like the thing where we would sit in our house and like, we're writing a story or we're shooting a video and we have the TV on in the background because there's just like a rolling string of commitments and everyone we where's he go? Oh my God, he's going here. Like I, we listen, I, I, part of the way I cut my teeth in this business was doing commitment videos and we did commitment videos for a bunch of kids. And guess what? It's just kind of, that's gone. We're in a new world. And December is the December's the day now. And I will say this. I don't know that it's good that December's the day as we just spent this whole time talking about Tennessee and, you know, Tennessee signed a top 15 class and all those kids have signed. They put their pen, they put the pen to paper. They're locked into Tennessee. They need a transfer thing to transfer. They need a, they need a waiver to be able to play immediately. Otherwise you have to sit out a year, um, which they'll probably get, especially because of the coaching change, but that doesn't change the reality of why are we making 17 and 18 year olds put pen to paper in December Cause it's easier for coaches. Huh? 
I, I just, I don't, I haven't been a fan of it. I have never liked, I didn't like the idea of it. I don't like it now. And it's very frustrating to watch because these kids at Tennessee, they didn't, they don't, I, I would love to know how many of these guys know who knew who Josh Heupel was before he got announced as their head coach. Well, well, how about, how about the fact that they did this? They had the early signing period in a year where games were still being played for a ton of these teams. Nightmare. It was so, a nightmare. So, so you didn't even have final evaluations of it was coaches. A, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a nightmare. And I so think that it's all, but it's all like, the, the, that's the, what you run into when you move that up so much. Yeah. It was, it was a, it was legitimately a nightmare this year where it was a, like, in, it, this is the perfect storm of how bad it is and can be because we have some kids can't take official visits, depending on which state you live in, you can or cannot take official visits. If you're a coach with a team and your team is worried about an outbreak at all, what do you think? You're going to bring some high school, some high schooler from Mississippi around your team? Absolutely not. Which means the kids don't get the experience of being hosted by a player of being shown any of that stuff. So you don't get that. Obviously you don't want, you want to minimize contact. So it's, either just a kid or kid, one parent, like it's not like the family atmosphere that you're looking for. It's we, we got coaches who don't aren't even around their own families, let alone the families of their recruits. It's, it's brutal. It was really, really rough. And what we've seen, if you look at Miami's class, you look at UNC's class, we've seen a lot of local kids yep. stay local because yep. That's the school they're familiar with. That's the school they took a lot of unofficials to. That's the school that they, they probably know. visited before COVID. Exactly. And so I think that, it, like, the reason that UNC and Miami, it's not just that. I think Manny Diaz and, 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 and Mac Brown did a great job, but it's also, oh, they couldn't go anywhere. <laughs> like, they're not leaving. And so they stayed home. You're going to benefit from that. I think USC is another one where kids, there are kids that were committed to LSU, Oregon, and they're like, um, I think I'm going to go to school where my parents are so I can at least get to see them. Yeah. And, 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 and the uncertainty of, you know, even vaccines, but again, just still yeah. not knowing. And I, I, that's a trend. I, again, there's a lot of unique situations that led to this, sure. but I do wonder if staying closer to home becomes more of an attractive option moving it, forward. Well, it's literally... It's, 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 it's completely, I want to say this the right way. It's completely putting college football back to where it was 30 years ago, 25 years mm -hmm. ago, because 20 years ago, 25 years ago, everybody stayed close to home. Everybody went to their own home school. Now we're seeing it happen again. Although some schools aren't benefiting from it, Florida state, um, <laughs> but we're seeing a lot of schools kind of benefit from people not wanting to travel, people wanting to stay close to home. So mm -hmm. it's going to be interesting to see how it works. And, you know, hopefully vaccine comes through for everybody. And, but it's just very, um, I don't know, signing day. Now the February, February signing day is very anticlimactic. We've got, um, J the kid JT, the defensive end from Washington. He's the number one, He's the highest ranked uncommitted player and he's pushing his. Everybody th assumes he's probably going to end up at Ohio State or Washington, but he's pushing 
his signing day because he wants to have a little bit more time, which is fine. That's great. The rest of the guys are all like, yeah, I'm just going to go to this school. It's by my house. LJ Johnson, he's going to go to, unless Texas pulls off a miracle, he's going to go to Texas A&M. That's just what it is. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And if you got good kids in your state or state adjacent, you probably have a pretty good class. If you don't, not going to go work out great for you, especially without them being able to visit. But I got to do a signing day special on Wednesday. And most of what we're going to do is what we're doing right now, right? Talking about the dynamic of what the new signing day looks like and how it changes and how kids are handling it. And honestly, I feel, you know, do you want to go to, do you want to go to last call? Yeah. You want to roll right into it? I feel like this has kind of been like your last call for you. It's getting a lot off your chest. I, um, yeah. So originally I was going to do, you either buy in or you're paying a buyout with respect to Tennessee and and coaching in general, where if you don't give this guy total buy-in, you're going to end up paying his buyout. So you might as well get those pockets loaded up. But honestly, what I, the thing I want to do is I feel bad for these kids. I, I know how fun it is to go on unofficial and official visits. I know how awesome it is to get to spend time with your future teammates. When I was at, when I went to, in 2001 was my first unofficial visit to UNC. And do you know who showed me around the football field? Julius Peppers. Oh, casual. Yeah. Julius Peppers is who walked me around the field pregame. And then I got in the tunnel watching him. It was, I think, Bia Bia by Lil John the Eastside Boys was playing. And he's in the front just doing his thing. And these kids didn't get to have a lot of that. And I think it sucks for them. And I feel really bad. And it, it really stinks, especially knowing that they don't get to. And it's the cool, that, like all that cool stuff, like the going out with the team and all these things. That's cool. But the other thing that sucks is how do you build a relationship when you don't get this, you don't get a lot of face time. These coaches weren't out on the road nonstop going to high schools like they were before. And I think to me, my, that's my last call. Like I'm frustrated. Like I, I think it sucks for these guys and it's, we're going to see like how they handle it. They're tougher than any, they're tough as nails. These kids are tough as hell and they, they stand, they, they know what they're doing and they work really hard. It just sucks that they didn't get, Basically, they didn't get the honeymoon that recruiting and being recruited and officials and unofficials, that is the honeymoon of college football. Because then when you get to school, they are there to kick your behind. So they didn't get the honeymoon. And so we'll see how these marriages work. So, so my last call is a, a little bit lighter. Um, it is not, not football related. So, so for first time listeners, the last call is a rant as, as was just beautifully <laughs> described by Felder or cheersing to something. My, my thing is, you know, now that we're in the off season, it's time to, you know, see what else is going on with, with pop culture, um, you know, what the kids do these days. Like, I feel like early in quarantine was when I really learned about TikTok and like all of the different <laughs> uses of TikTok. Um, so it came to my attention that there is a new social media platform called Clubhouse, which Ari Wasserman, who is frequents this feed, uh, invited me to. And I haven't gone on it yet. It appears to be like an audio platform. And the way he described it is that like you're listening to people podcasts almost like you're listening to other people's conversations. Anyway, 
my rant is that there are too many social media platforms. I am trying my best to keep up with them. I really do. Like, I don't want to be someone who lets technology pass me by or, you know, just doesn't understand what the kids do these days. But how many of them do we have to have? I don't even know. What, am I supposed to be like, do I start my day with Instagram, <laughs> then go to Twitter, then go to Clubhouse? How, long, how much time am I spending on Clubhouse? What times are the best times to be on there? Um, some of these are invite only. Some of them aren't. It's very hard to keep track. I'm only 31 years old and I feel very overwhelmed by the amount of social media that there is. Again, when it's only like Instagram, Twitter, I can handle that. But then we add new ones. And I like, I have a TikTok account, but I'm not going to, I can't make a TikTok dance. Like that's hours. I'm not creative enough for this. I'll watch it. I'll laugh. That's great. But I don't understand how I'm supposed to keep up with all of these platforms and where people have the time to do it. I guess maybe they don't sleep. Maybe these are all teenagers who just don't sleep, but it is exhausting. And I'm not even that old and it is exhausting. So I just had to get that off my chest. I know it's not football related, but some of these football players, some of these recruits, they'll, they'll be on these platforms. I have no idea what they're talking about. And that makes me feel old. Yep. No, I, you're, you're spot on. Listen, I, I have a TikTok as well. I took a couple TikToks. I was like, this takes way too long. Way too much effort. Too much time, too much effort to like reset, pause, reset, pause. I'm not doing it. I'll watch, but I will. Do you want to know something crazy though? I am in the Instagram reels game. I'm not, I don't do Instagram reels, but when it comes to Instagram reels, somehow Instagram's algorithm has targeted me for a lot of mom videos. Okay. I'm getting. Not cooking? I was about you were going to say. I get cooking reels, but I get a lot of mom, like when your husband be like videos. And I'm like, <laughs> these are funny. They are funny. But that's Again, what I, that's too much time on people's hands to make yeah. these things. I mean, I could, I, I appreciate it. I consume it, but it's hard to keep track. They all copycat each other. Yeah. Fleet, you got fleets now on Twitter. I don't have enough time. If I've been posting on my Instagram, story, have you, I, I have not, I've not watched one single fleet. Um, Yes. It's the same as Instagram story. Yeah. Well, there's, I just go Instagram stories. I agree. I agree. This is what I'm saying. There's too many things happening at once. I don't mean to sound really old. I swear I'm not 80 years old. I usually can keep up with them. I know what they're about, but I can't spend time on all of them. To do them. To the do them is hard. It's too much time to do them. I can be passive. I can watch the TikToks. Yeah, I cannot a make a TikTok. Yeah, I can. It even takes a long time to like look up the song you want to attach to. The, I mean, it's just, it's too much. Need to get it off my chest. This off season, I will try to become cooler, more hip, understand these things. Get some sneakers. And no, probably not get some sneakers. But I, I'll work. I'll consider it. I'll consider it, Felder. I'll consider it. Um, but that'll do it. That'll do it for this week's Power Hour. Uh, variety of topics this week, as always, with Michael Felder um, ranting, raving, and talking all things Tennessee. Uh, and we will say, was this worth it? We'll see in the coming months and years. Andy Staples will be back tomorrow. Ari Wasserman will join him later in the week. We will see you next Tuesday on Power Hour. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.